Coming off a tremendously gripping and exciting week 11, let's forge onward and upward. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the very best, the most analytical, and the finest podcast you're going to find anywhere with regard to the FBS and college football and every game contained within. This is strong as steel as we get to the mid part of the month of November in this uh, college football 2017 journey. I'm Michael Regai, our producer Jim Nabosna, and as always joined uh, by the the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview Magazine, the very best in the business, and everything that uh, philsteele.com has to offer, and more as we say hi to our pal Phil Steele. Phil, did you make it through last weekend intact, my man? And that was a lot of heart palpitations going on around college football last weekend. Yeah, a lot of big games. And, uh, you know, we go from seven ranked games last week, three top ten versus top ten, to a grand total of mm-hmm. one ranked games this week. And matchups like Auburn against Mercer and Auburn against ULM. Can't wait for next week, but you know what? These are the kind of sneaky, quiet weeks that uh, sometimes you get a lot of those upsets that you weren't expecting, like we had a couple of weeks ago when there was zero ranked versus ranked teams. Yeah, no question about it. And, uh, again, all of you jump on board. You know how we do it here. Any game in the FBS you want to discuss. That's how we roll. Uh, whether it's Power Five, Group of Five, uh, that doesn't matter. Phil and I completely locked in and in tune with everything you need to know and that you want to evaluate. And you guys make this show. You're, we tell you every week you're incredible with uh, uh, everything that you come up with. Whether you join us uh, at six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. We welcome your your opinions, your thoughts, your questions. Do it on. Twitter as well. Later on in the show, our producer Jim Nabosna will uh, check into Twitter. Uh, you have been terrific with that aspect as strong as steel as well. At Phil Steel 42 at Michael Regai, R E G H I, at Jim Nabosna. That's how you do it. Phil, last night, College Football Playoff Committee, what's your thoughts on this? They go Alabama, Clemson, Miami, Oklahoma with Wisconsin and Auburn 5 6. If I'm Oklahoma, I want to ask you, if you're Oklahoma, I already know how I feel. I, 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 I'm not real pleased with being at number four right now because I believe, me, they should be higher. What about you? Um, uh, to me, I wouldn't be beat up one way or another because, uh, you know, a lot's going to be determined in the next couple of weeks. You know that 
the Miami and uh, Clemson game, one of those teams are going to lose. I guess the the bottom line is that they're either going to be number two or number three if they win out, provided Alabama wins out. But there's so much football left. And, you know, the coaching staff sure. at Oklahoma doesn't give a doggone hoot about where they're ranked. They just know right now they control their own destiny, and, and their main job is to beat Kansas this week of all teams. But, uh, you know, as, as silly as that sounds, they do have to take care of business against Kansas. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Wisconsin got, uh, uh, they're sitting there at five and they're undefeated, as we know, along with, uh, with Alabama and, uh, and with Miami. So again, we'll, we'll see how all of this plays into this week's uh, menu. Although, as Phil just told you, it's one that is nowhere near last week. But Phil, let's, let's start with the one that is going to have a lot of impact. I just mentioned Wisconsin got a little bit of a help from the committee, not for their own standing, but uh, uh, last week uh, for the uh, the, for the last night, excuse me, for the first time, uh, eight and two Michigan uh, now comes in at number 24. Wisconsin sitting at 10 and 0. We know that about the Badgers, and they're hosting Michigan this week. Phil, they stayed perfect. Wisconsin, their fans are screaming over not being in the top four with the with the CFP committee. We know that, but Wisconsin's defense, I love them, Phil. They held Iowa to just 66 yards of offense a week after the Hawkeyes, as we know, hung 55 points on Ohio State. Wisconsin allows only 13 points a game. That's third in the FBS. That's former. A badger, and uh, maybe one of my choices for, you know, that uh, that Frank Broyles Award, Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator. Now um, he's been terrific there. 220-pound freshman running back Jonathan Taylor is dynamic, electrifying. 1,525 yards, 12 TDs. Uh, I know, Phil, we believe it's one of the best offensive lines uh, in the country, that Wisconsin uh, big group up front. Phil, if I said there's a fly in the ointment about Wisconsin, though, I want to see if you agree with me. Turnovers. They've lost 19 of them. That's one of the worst in the FBS. They had four more last week against Iowa, two returned for touchdowns. I don't think they can afford to be haphazard with the football against a uh, very, very good Michigan defense. We know they're top 10 FBS in almost every category. Michigan beat Wisconsin 14-7 in the defensive brawl a year ago in Ann Arbor. Quarterback Brandon Peters is starting to settle in. Phil, they've got three running backs totaling almost 2,000 yards between um, Karan Higdon and uh, Chris Evans and Ty Isaac with 18 touchdowns. So it's, it's, it's a three-man deal, but they've run for almost 2,000 yards. Could we see Saturday's winner, Wisconsin-Michigan, maybe in something like a 17-13 final? Is that feasible in this one? Oh, it's definitely feasible, and I thought the same thing when Michigan was playing Penn State uh, a few weeks back. I thought going into that game it would be a tight, low-scoring ball game, and and both teams knocked in a couple of touchdowns early, had one defensive score, and all of a sudden you got 55 points on the board, 42-13 for Penn State. And frankly, I was a little amazed that Penn State put up 506 yards on that Michigan defense. In fact, if you look at you know what Penn State has done since that Michigan game, they only had 283 yards against Ohio State, 304 against Rutgers, and 466 against Michigan State, but 506 against Michigan. And, you know, folks have asked me this week, am I surprised Wisconsin held Iowa to 66 after Iowa had put up uh, amazing 400 and uh, 
90 or 87 yards and 55 points against Ohio State. I said, no, I'm amazed that Iowa put up 487 yards and 55 points against Ohio State because there's nothing to indicate they could do that during the course of the year. They'd been averaging about 10 to 17 points per game. Uh, that was the remarkable thing. 66 yards against Wisconsin's defense, that's pretty much close to expectations because Wisconsin's got a great defense and, and Iowa just an average offense. But for this game, I think you do have two of the best defenses. The key is the factor you pointed out, Michael, which is turnovers. Alex Hornerbrook with 12 interceptions. Jonathan Taylor with six fumbles. That's their top two players on the team, and they're the guys turning the ball over. If they can hold on to the ball, I think Michigan's defense will shut down that Michigan, or Wisconsin's defense will shut down Michigan's offense, slow them down, much like Penn State did, holding them to 16 first downs at 13 points. Now, on the flip side of the coin, that big offensive line should be able to get some holes, and maybe Hornerbrook can find a guy like Danny Davis, who emerged last week and is averaging 20.3 yards per catch. Uh, the home edge is huge here. Wisconsin's got one of the best home crowds out there. They're loud the entire game. It's a very intimidating venue. And uh, I think this is a Wisconsin team just waiting to, to, to win a game. So I, I like the Badgers to win this one by more than the touchdown. And then probably you would think enter the Big Ten uh, championship game, uh, maybe at a perfect 12-0 and with uh, just so much then to uh, to play for for them. But uh, what was the line on this, Phil? I didn't see the uh, – what was the last number that was put out on this? It's, it's seven, seven, seven and a half. You know, and, and like seven, I pointed out on last week's show, Michael, as far as Wisconsin and their playoff chances go, uh, if I'm Coach yeah. Christ, I'm just flat out brutally honest with the team. Don't look, don't talk, don't even think. Just win your last three games. You're in the playoffs. I guarantee it you're in the playoffs. There is no way an undefeated Wisconsin doesn't get there. So they don't need to worry about who's number one, two, three, or four and who they play. They just need to focus on Michigan, Minnesota, and then the Big Ten championship game. And if they win those three games, they're definitely in. Yeah, that's quieted a little bit because you remember, Phil, and I'm glad to hear it because a couple of weeks ago that there was some murmurings out there that, well, even if Wisconsin runs the table 13-0, and no guarantee, uh, I'm with you. Please, come on now. You're going to tell me that they, they wind up at that, as you just indicated, that they're not going to be one of the top four in the country? That's absurd. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it's, we don't want to talk too much playoffs here on the show, but just thinking Wisconsin, frame of mind, there's no reason for them not to be 100% focused on this game, unlike some other teams like in Auburn this week, which may not be focused completely on their opponent. Right, yeah, and we'll get to that coming up in a little bit. Quality, quality football team, though, we know, with the Wisconsin's Badgers. All right, this is Strong as Steel. We're off to a rousing beginning. This is how we do it, and uh, now your voices and your opportunity to be heard. Any games you want to discuss around the FBS, we do it on Blog Talk Radio here live at 12 o'clock Eastern on Wednesdays. Make sure you get in uh, with iTunes as well. You can get any episode you want, and let us know how much you love the show and let us know why that you do, and then we'll make sure that we keep rocking for you right throughout the bowl season. All right, again, let's start this out, 646-668-2248. We head out to the great state of Oregon and check in with our buddy Tyler. Good morning, Tyler. Welcome to Strong as Steel. Good morning, folks. I'm a little curious about the Oregon State-Arizona State game, as usual. 
Oregon State's been gassed the last two weeks, but both games were on the road. Well, Arizona State's been two different teams at home and on the road as well. The home team usually seems to dominate this matchup, and Arizona State really doesn't do well in Corvallis in November when the weather's a little different than it is in Phoenix. That being said, they still look like the stronger team. So, Phil, what's your take on this matchup? Also, do you factor in when a team is playing their final home game the way you do things like revenge? Yeah, I do factor in the final home game because uh, it's usually a big game. You're fired up for it. It's your last time you're going to appear on the turf. Now, sometimes emotions take over in a case like that, and it maybe may be a little too emotional going into the game. And uh, we haven't always – it's not one of those uh, exactly like revenge where, you know, I think more than half the time for sure the revenge motive does work, especially if it's a, a legitimate revenge game. And what I mean by that is if you lost 11 games last year, you're not playing 11 revenge games this year. But if you lost one game last year and that's your revenge game, then that's pretty big. And as far as final home games go, I say it's pretty close to a 50-50 mix, but I always factor it in because it is a very important game. Now, this one, Oregon State was all fired up for their interim head coach, played great against Colorado and Stanford, both at home, and then struggled on the road. Now they're back at home. We'll see if they can recapture that. And Arizona State last year was extremely poor on the road. This year, they've had a couple of good road games. You go into the look at the Stanford game. They played decent on the road. They beat Utah 30-10. to so they're actually more respectable than last year on the road. My early forecast there, which I had looked at, uh, I think yesterday was 52, which isn't too bad for uh, Arizona State. You know, you're worried if the temperature dips in the 20s or is freezing, but uh, I think they'll get okay with the weather here. And uh, the matchup I like best here is uh, Demario Richard and Kalen Balaj. Going against that Oregon State run defense, it's given up 5.7 yards per carry in Pac-12 play. So I think they will be able to establish a run. Like the way Manny Wilkins is protecting the ball, he's got a 12-4 ratio. And uh, I, I like Arizona State to be able to go on the road and, and get that win there. Appreciate the call, as always, Tyler. All right, Tyler, good stuff. Let's uh, swing into the state of Alabama. And here's Brandon as we welcome him to Strong as Steel. What's going on, Brandon? How are you today? I'm doing great, guys. Uh, appreciate you having me on your show, and uh, big fans, big fans of all of it. And uh, Phil Steele, love your book. I love the press box. Love Insider. Uh, I think you're a remarkable guy. So I just want to say, you, hey, props to you. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, that, Brandon. No problem. My question is concerning the um, Army game. Um, I'm kind of feeling like the wrong team's favorite here. Um, based statistically off the numbers. You know, Army's rushing attack's phenomenal. Uh, the eye test proves it. Uh, their record proves it. I mean, it's kind of become more or less a situation where they can run a quarterback as a decoy because they're definitely not using him. Um, I kind of see this in a situation where Army could blow them out, and uh, I just kind of want to hear your input on that, and I uh, hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving. I appreciate it, Brandon. Once again, thank you very much for the kind comments. And uh, actually, Fine's getting a little bit more action this year than he did last year. He's thrown for close to 3,000 yards. He's got a 22-9 ratio. Last year, they didn't use him a lot. And remember, he missed the bowl game last year. They still revolve their offense around Jeffrey Wilson, who's got over 1,000 yards, 6.8 yards per carry. Now, they've been getting a lot of close wins in CUSA play. You look at the fact they beat UAB by three. They beat UTSA by three. They beat Old Dominion by seven. Louisiana Tech by one. Each of those games could have gone the other way, but went third. So, I agree. I don't think North Texas is quite as good as the record and reputation right now indicate and this is an army team that just continues to overachieve remember they were a pretty good sized dog against air force they were a home dog last week against duke in fact i like duke in that game and cutcliffe and company held them to 268 yards 
But the block punt for the touchdown, a big play, and they ended up with the win. They gained confidence by the week. And if you're worried about them looking ahead to Navy, well, that's three weeks down the road. So I don't even think they're thinking Navy right now. They're thinking North Texas. Army has a lot of players on their team from the state of Texas and has done extremely well. Anytime they travel to Texas, the team performs very well. So uh, I like, I, I agree with you. I think the wrong team's probably favored here. I like Army to win that one, and they are an underdog on the road. So appreciate the uh, comments, Brandon. Phil, I always love the uh, the conversation when it turns to Jeff Monken and uh, the Black Knights from from Army West Point. I mean, you know, I, a couple years ago, I had them twice. I called two of their games in Monken's first season, and uh, you know, it was rough. It was rugged, and and Monken stayed steadfast in that. Uh, you know what? In the next couple, two to three years, watch us. We're going to be a very strong football team. He's right. I. I pay close attention to them, Phil. I'm thrilled. And they look, they've got a chance to go 10 and 2 this year. And, uh, you know, what, listen, Service Academy, what a, what a statement that's making about Jeff Monk and his coaching staff and this program, right? Yeah, and I think the biggest uh, difference with Army was the uh, the recommitment to the option. Remember, they went away from it, went to a pass attack yes. about a decade ago. And, and it struggled. Uh, they can't recruit those players, and then recruiting option players is perfect for them. It took them a couple years once they started recruiting the option players to get the proper guys. But uh, Monken stepped into what I thought was a pretty decent situation when he stepped in, and he has taken them to another level. Uh, I, I think if I would have said 10 years ago, Army has the potential to win 10 games this year, uh, you would have been like, that's impossible. But uh, they are doing it. Yeah. They really are, and uh, yeah, you you hit it on the head too. This is going to be a big one for a lot of reasons. So many players on this roster that they uh, Texas has become a, a very large and a key recruiting uh, base for them. So this is a big one as they go into the state of Texas coming up this week. Do appreciate uh, that with some thoughts on the uh, the Army Black Knights and uh, North Texas. Let's keep rolling here on Strong as Steel. Michael Ragai, Phil Steele. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, Twitter questions, they're coming up. Make sure you get them in at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, at Jim Nabosna. We swing into the state of Ohio with some Pac-12 thoughts today. Here's our man, Derek, with that Battle of Los Angeles at stake Saturday. Hi, Derek. How are you? Welcome. I'm good, Mike. Uh, hey, Phil and Jim. Um since the game's going to be on primetime here in Ohio, uh, might as well get an opinion on it. I uh, so want to know what you guys thought about that. And I also wanted to know for us listeners, how long will we be uh, fortunate enough to have this, uh, this podcast? I know the season is coming to an end. Um, would we be able to get anything for the bowl season or anything like that? Um, hope you guys have a great rest of your day, great weekend, and uh, good luck. All right, appreciate the call, Derek. And uh, I could say this, I, I believe we will definitely be doing uh, stuff in the month of December and probably into January with the Bulls. So uh, I think you could count on the podcast coming to you on a weekly basis uh, all during that time. So a lot of stuff to look forward to. Now, you touched on the USC-UCLA matchup. And I tell you what, remember last year USC sort of peaked at the end of the year? And all on the podcast, you remember when Sam Darnold, after four weeks, had tossed seven interceptions, and I made the statement that very week, I thought that he would have seven or less interceptions the rest of the year. Well, since then, he's thrown four. Uh, 
and he's only got two games left. So I have a good shot at making it, provided he can stay under three interceptions his final two games. In fact, he's got a 13-3 to ratio the last six games. Sam Darnold's looking like the Sam Darnold you thought he would be. And then they got a guy in the backfield, and Ronald Jones is averaging 6.7 yards per carry. He is licking his chops. I mean, UCLA, their rush defense this year in Pac-12 play, giving up 314 yards per game, 5.9 yards per carry, and they're not taking on option offenses. They are taking on normal offenses and giving up that kind of uh, yardage. So Ronald Jones should have a big game here. Now, on the on the positive side for UCLA, you know, they're a team that's been perfect at home this year, and they have been bad on the road. They've lost all their games on the road by double digits. And technically, this game is on the road, but they're in the same city. They're not really traveling. In fact, Jim Moore has got them staying at the same hotel they stay at for home games to make them feel at home. So uh, it's a rivalry game, and they have backdoor potential. I mean, Josh Rosen is a guy that can throw the football. Remember when they scored 17 against Utah? No Josh Rosen. When they scored 23 against Washington, no Josh Rosen. Rosen's back. The offense is back. So my favorite play here, Derek. Uh, it's tough to go against rivalry dogs, especially with that kind of backdoor potential. I actually like over 71 in this game. It seems like a really high total, but UCLA against Arizona State, there is 81 points. Against Arizona, 77. Against Stanford, 92. Against Memphis, 93. USC uh, against Arizona a couple weeks ago, 84. So they can easily top that 71 total. And I think when you got quarterbacks like Rosen and Darnold there, it's going to be tough for either defense to come up with very many stops. Appreciate the call and the comments. Yeah, I do appreciate those comments. And, yeah, we're going to be with you. We'll stay uh, in patched with all of you right through the bowl season. And uh, who knows, maybe I'm into the the first uh, of the year. Good stuff, Derek, as always. And, again, 646-668-2248. Phil, real quickly, Jim Moore, Jr., you think he sees 2018 as the head football coach of the UCLA Bruins? I like Coach, uh, so hopefully he does. Uh, you know, they've had some, some bad problems on the defense. they got Cal next week. They could still get to a bowl, win the bowl game. We'll, we'll have to see. I, I think beating Cal or, or upsetting USC would help them out a lot getting to a bowl game. Yeah, no question about that. It's been, uh, it's been kind of a rocky ride in 2017 here for this Bruins program. All right, let's get back at it. We swing uh, to our man Nine Route uh, in Pittsburgh with some uh, with some thoughts uh, about ACC and FCS. Hey, Nine, how you doing today? Hey, fine, thanks. Hope you guys are doing well. Yeah, I don't know if you if you took calls on uh, FCS, FBS. If, if you don't, I have a backup game. But I was I was kind of uh, looking at this uh, North Carolina Western Carolina game and. Western Carolina's got some offense. North Carolina doesn't have the best defense in the world, as we know. Um, you know, I, I, I saw a line yesterday. I think it was five dimes. It was 21 and a half. Now I can't find that. But if you're getting anything over 17 or 20, I, I think it's going to be a little back and forth. I take Western Carolina as the underdog. All right. Good call. Good question as well. And, uh, you know, when you take a look at the Catamounts this year, as you mentioned, they are putting up some points. Uh They've got totals so far this year. They're averaging 35 points per game last week against the Citadel. Uh, They've had 31 uh, earlier this year. They did play Hawaii and lost that game by 23 points. That was on the road on the islands. 
so they're a, a team that last year was a poor team. They only had 24 points per game. In fact, only won two games last year. But this year they're actually 7-3, and three, and that has them probably contending for a potential playoff spot. So I, I like the resurgence there. And with North Carolina, they are off a big momentum-gaining win. They feel good about themselves, but they also have NC State on deck. And uh, generally, teams really overlook a game like this. I don't know if North Carolina's going to overlook it. They need some feel-good games with only two wins. That would be my major concern with taking West Carolina plus the points because NC does have the better personnel. But if I was getting 20 over 21, I agree with you. I would probably take WC plus the 21, especially with that big game against NC State on deck. Appreciate the call, as always. Let's uh, swing out to the left coast. California's our stop here on Strong as Steel. We say uh, hi to our man, Tony, who's got some American Athletic Conference thoughts. And, yes, yes, an undefeated football team. Good morning, Tony. Welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm excellent, guys. How you doing? Um, I'm intrigued by the uh, the Central Florida versus Temple matchup. Um, Central Florida has an opportunity to make that you know, New Year's Day bowl if they went out. But Temple's been playing well the past two weeks. Phil, Nick, how do you see this one? All right. And, uh, you know, what's happened is, you know, UCF opened up the year and they were just dominant. Their first six games, they not only won, they're all pretty much blowouts. And they uh, they covered the Vegas number in all six. Now, the last three games, Vegas has started pricing them up pretty high. And they failed to cover, even against a team like Connecticut last week. They were a 30-something-plus favorite and won the game by 25 impressively, but not enough for that. And, you know, the big difference in Temple, if you've been watching them play, the difference in Temple's offense between now and what they had been going through during the season is Frank Nutile. Uh, Frank, Frank Nutile is their quarterback. They took over the last three games. They put up 28, 34, 35 points. They had, uh, they're averaging a little over 400 yards per game on offense, and this from an offense that had struggled prior. Defensively, they're playing pretty good this year. In fact, they're holding conference foes to 86 yards per game below their season average. So they've taken on, taken on some tougher teams like USF, held them to 408 yards. Even East Carolina's potent offense held them to 287 yards. Navy to 393, each of those well below their season average. So I think that their defense can't slow them down. I think their offense doing enough. They're finally getting a little bit of a run game. Ran for 205 yards last week against Cincinnati. So uh, And with that unbeaten pressure mounting on Central Florida each week, they, they know that they control their own destiny. If they win, they're in. So you get a little tight at that instance. It's on the road. Temple will be fired up. Uh, I like Temple plus the big points once again this week. I do like UCF to win the game, but I think just like you, it'll be closer than expected. Appreciate the call. Yeah, that's how we do it here on Strongest Steel. And Phil, I'm with you on that. I think Jeff Collins now, the hey, uh, first-year head football coach at Temple, he's starting to show you that uh, now his system is is being uh, is starting to be figured out a little bit by his football team and his philosophy. And and Phil, you, you know, distractions. We always talk about distractions. I mean, the Scott Frost, probably the hottest name of any head coach that might uh, be expected to grab a, uh, shall we say, a, a larger job, more of a spotlight job in 
in the FBS. I mean, Scott Frost, uh, in the midst of this undefeated season, Philly's been linked with in-state Florida. He's been linked with Nebraska, his alma mater. Now he's linked with Tennessee after the firing of Butch Jones. Can this be a big distraction as they try to finish off so far a perfect season? It was last year for Tom Herman. Remember, they uh, they lost their last game yeah. in the regular season. It was a game with rumors swirling around them. And in reality, you know, as much as Scott Frost will probably come out and say, you know what, I'm very happy at UCF. I have no real. I'm not looking for another job. You know what? This he's not going to be undefeated in future years. He's not going to have openings at the schools that there are openings at right now. So he's got to go someplace else. This is the time to jump off because he won't be provided this opportunity again. So you know there are discussions going on in the background, and yes, that can definitely play a factor into it as well. Going to keep an eye on that, and all of that starts, of course, as we just discussed, when uh, the the Temple Owls welcome in uh, UCF in Philadelphia. Uh, keep an eye on that one. There, there's some real good football being played this year in the the American Phil. I mean, you know, we we know that. I mean, UCF and and of course uh, USF and uh, Temple, as we said, starting to get warm. Memphis uh, having a terrific year. So you know, another you know, factor look, in I mean, that, uh, Michael, would be that you've got a warm weather Florida going into mm-hmm. the colder temp- temperatures also. So that's another factor that goes in Temple's favor in this game. So as much as UCF's been impressive this year, those are definite factors. Could be, yeah. We'll talk more about that, too, a little bit later on in the show. Well, that might come into the play uh, down the road for those uh, those currently uh, undefeated Miami Hurricanes as well. All right, Strong as Steel is how we do this. Uh, this is... Uh, the the best show for you to get your analysis and evaluations on every game and the FBS that uh, that you have in mind. We're at six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Phil still here. We got you until straight up uh, the top of the hour, one p.m. Eastern here on Blog Talk Radio. We'll be getting into Twitter and uh, the mailbag coming up here in a couple of moments as well. Phil, I just mentioned them, so let's let's do that right here and now. Uh, third ranked this week after the last night's college football playoff rankings, the Miami Hurricanes, uh, they were maximum effort impressive. I don't know any other way to say it in that dismantling of Notre Dame. Uh, 41-8 the other uh, on Saturday night, uh, move them up uh, into that three spot uh, behind Alabama and Clemson. They're 9-0. They might currently have a more impressive resume of winning than even Alabama does is uh, they have uh, come up with some some very impressive wins. Now, you know, Phil, they don't produce eye-popping numbers, not when we're looking at it, relatively speaking, 32 points a game and 450 yards per total. But, boy, do they complement that with that ball-hawking defense, as we saw on Saturday night, extremely well. That defense Looks like sometimes there's 18 canes on the football field. Malik Rozier um, is throwing for 20 touchdown passes and throwing for over 2,400 yards, but but the defense is where I think it's at, Phil, like they showed against uh, Notre Dame. Now, Virginia shows up, Phil, right, without this fanfare. Now, it's a noon game at Hard Rock Stadium. The last two, right, it's been Virginia Tech at night and uh, Notre Dame at night. Virginia started five and one for Bronco Men and all, then they dropped three of their last four. Their defense is they just can't get off the football field anymore. They're giving up thirty six points per game. 
I don't know, Phil. I don't like the term trap, but I mean, again, I prefer Miami off Virginia Tech and off Notre Dame at night. Uh, I I hope the Canes aren't aren't looking past this and are going to still bring their A effort here because they've got a tremendous football season going for themselves and a chance to be in the Final Four. Yeah, I don't see them bringing their A effort because, uh, you know, home dog to Virginia Tech, home dog to Notre Dame, there's got to be a letdown the next week. So probably looking at more of a B effort for uh, Miami, but it's not a C effort because next week's game, Pitt, is not that huge of a game. So it's not like they have the look-ahead thrown in there. And it is their final home game, and the crowd will definitely be there. Now those... Uh, mild Miami fans at the start of the year that were like, yeah, we'll believe it when we see it. They are all on board. They are on that train 100%. They will be full force at the stadium. And even though they won't have the same fervor they did for Notre Dame, Virginia Tech, it will be much more fervor than they had maybe for those opening games like against Toledo uh, at home or even Georgia Tech because there's a lot of folks that now believe in them. And then Virginia, as you touched on, opened up 5-1. and one. They've got losses by 31 to Boston College, 17 to Pitt and mm-hmm. Louisville by 17 last week. Uh, their quarterback, Benkert, solid. He's got a 21-7 ratio this year. Uh, defensively, they're struggling to stop the run, which means probably be a pretty good game for Travis Homer this week, who's averaging 6.7 yards per carry. But, you know, you go back to that North Carolina game, which was prior to this game's against VT and Notre Dame. Let's face it, Miami struggled. They uh, That was a t- team that had no business being on the same field with them, and they took them within five. The Syracuse game at home, they struggled. Once again, they should have probably won by more, only won by eight. The Georgia Tech game, they had a 200-yard edge, one by one. They had a lot of close wins earlier in the year. Uh, I like Miami to win the game. I don't think we're going to see their A-game effort. I think they win it by something like about 17 here. So I'd actually maybe lean a little bit with Virginia, but uh, still definitely like Miami to win the game uh, at home in this one. Which would put the Canes at 10-0 and 0 and uh, exactly where they need to be, and then to be going into Pittsburgh uh, a week from Friday night, the night after Thanksgiving, to wind up the regular season and get ready for that uh, that ACC championship game. So uh, Miami, sure, with just so much ahead of them. You want to go see the Canes this week? I, I'd love to go see the Canes if I had the availability. I can tell you just how to do that with our good friends at SeatGeek. That's right. You can you could go see Miami and uh, Virginia. You can go see Notre Dame and Navy this week, Wisconsin, Michigan, any of them you want. All you got to do is get in touch with uh, the good gang at SeatGeek. They're the smartest, easiest, most effective way to get the seats you want. They've got a seamless mobile experience. I use it. Use it all the time. Allows you to buy and sell ticks to the events that you want with just a couple of taps of that mobile device of yours. You get the best seats, but here's the most important thing, at the best prices available and fully guaranteed. You got to see your favorite team. Maybe you you want concerts, your favorite musician, comedian. That's right, all of it. Theater. SeatGeek can take you there. Um, you can make sure that SeatGeek is uh, going to be your go-to app. Set it up that way. It'll save you time and money. Every type of ticket that you want. Again, sports, concerts, theater, comedy. You save time and you save money. And the best part of your SeatGeek experience it's us. That's right here at Strong and Steel. We take care of you. You are our our loyal listeners. You're like family to us. We take care of you, right? We're going to get you 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is download that SeatGeek app that I was telling you about. Enter the promo code STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, 
20 bucks off, just like that. No muss, no fuss. 20 bucks off your purchase. Be front and center at the events you want. Like I said, Notre Dame, Navy, Michigan, Wisconsin, Miami, Virginia, anything you want to see, SeatGeek will get you there. Check them out right now. Front and center for you. Make sure you do it the only way, the best way, the most convenient way for you. It's our, with our good friends at SeatGeek. Great to have you in touch on Strongest Steel. Twitter coming up uh, here in a moment. Before that, let's go to uh, one of my favorite American cities, Buffalo, New York. And here's our man Kevin joining us on Strongest Steel. What's going on, Kev? Hey, hey guys. Uh, Michael Phil, good to talk to you. Just wondering, uh, Texas, West Virginia. I actually thought uh, I thought West Virginia would be giving more than three, three and a half. Uh, I don't know if I'm missing something, but I like the Mountaineers. All right, appreciate the call. Uh, you know, in this game, uh, Texas has a couple of factors in its favor. First of all, they've taken on one of the nation's toughest schedules. So they have taken on the tougher schedule this year, and they have played all the big boys tough. And then they've got the Tom Herman underdog factor. Yes, he lost his last time, which was at TCU, but prior to that he was a perfect 8-0 with five outright upsets as an underdog. I think when you look at Texas's defense, it's one of the top two defenses in the Big 12 this year. They're holding opponents to 93 yards per game below their season average. West Virginia, meanwhile, allowing opponents 15 yards above their season average. You look at the stats in this game, West Virginia comes in. They're only outgaining their Big 12 opponents by 39 yards per game, Texas by 11, despite the fact Texas has got uh, those th- uh, three losses in Big 12 play and West Virginia just two. Statistically, they're almost identical. Better defense and the Tom Herman underdog factor. That's the reason that the number is lower than uh, what it probably would be normally in the power ratings for a team that comes in like this in West Virginia. And interestingly, if you go to ESPN.com up right now, I have my Vegas power ratings up there on ESPN.com. And in the Vegas Power Ratings, West Virginia is number 23 at 124.0. Texas is number 24 at 123.8. So that's .2 for West Virginia, factor in the home edge. And guess what? It's right where the line is for this game. Appreciate the call, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, say hi to all of our good friends uh, in Buffalo, New York. I know we've got a a very uh, big contingent of strongest steel uh, listeners there and we always uh, we always like to have it with you all right as we said you know we hope that you've been uh, loading up and getting ready to go for us twitter is a big part of what we do social media we uh, we want we need it we you guys are great at it and we go to it each and every episode of strongest steel so, without further ado, here's uh, the man that makes everything tick, our producer, Jim DeBoz. Now, how you doing, Jimmy? And uh, let's roll with uh, Twitter questions, thoughts, and opinions from our Strongest Steel listeners. Yeah, we kick it off with Mike T. today, who asks, can Penn State cover the 26 points against Nebraska at home on Senior Day? Well, I tell you what, if you play fantasy football, and you've been burned by Saquon Barkley the last three weeks because uh, Barkley's rushing totals have been 44, 63, and 35 yards, play him this week. He's playing Nebraska's rush D, and they're having trouble stopping the run. I mean, last week Minnesota ran the ball down their throat, 409 yards, 9.1 yards per carry. Northwestern average 5.2. In fact, in Big Ten play, they're giving up 5.7 yards per carry. So look for Saquon. 
to do some damage here and then Penn State to get rolling. I think they should be able to. My main concern with that is we know Nebraska is a better team than Rutgers. They beat them 27-17. to uh, In fact, they had a 21-12 first down edge in that game. Well, Penn State just played Rutgers last week and only had 304 yards offense and only won the game by 29. So that would be a concern. But frankly, with Nebraska on their third road game in four weeks and Penn State needing a good field goal, good victory, I like Penn State in this one, minus 26. Appreciate the tweet. At Alex Carr, Iowa State is only favored by 9.5 versus Baylor. That line seems kind of low to him. Is he missing something? Uh, it would probably be the fact that, uh, first of all, Baylor's at home for this one, and Iowa State's got to go on the road. Uh, Iowa State, I don't think they've been in a way favorite in the Big 12 for uh, except uh, twice in the last five years. Both times were against Kansas. So it's a highly unusual situation for them. And now they're a large away favorite. I mean, they're almost a 10-point away favorite. It's a Baylor team that, you know, a couple weeks ago did beat Kansas. I thought they played a good game against Texas Tech last week. You look at the score, and if you just look at the score of the game, you say, well, Texas Tech beat them by 14, so they're not very good. But they actually had a 523 to 337-yard edge in that game. They had a 31 to 18 first down edge. And the thing about Baylor, they're playing better football uh, now that they have shifted to Charlie Brewer, a quarterback, Brewer threw for 315 yards against Kansas. He had 417 yards against Texas Tech last week. So they're getting back to that Baylor pass offense. They're starting to have a little more success. They're at home. It's their home finale. And with Iowa State, look what they just have taken on. They just went on and beat Texas Tech on the road, upset TCU at home, gave full effort against West Virginia on the road, and last week home underdog against Oklahoma State. All in the underdog role. Now, they're a big favorite on the road without the same uh, things that were playing for a possible Big 12 title those last two weeks. Those are all gone. Uh, I, I can see the situation where Baylor keeps this one closer than expected. Tommy T. would like to know if the Idaho Vandals' final home game can provide enough motivation to cover nine points against Coastal. You know, it should uh, Linehan, the starting quarterback uh, for uh, Idaho, is questionable coming in. He got injured last week against Troy, if you're following along. Now, Coastal did lose their quarterback. Remember two weeks ago they went into Arkansas and, and gave one of the remarkable performances of the year. They actually led Arkansas by a couple of touchdowns late, despite the fact they hadn't won a game since the opening game of the season. Uh, they did lose Tyler Keene, a quarterback. I think it was in the second quarter of that game. They continued to play strong. But last week against Troy, they struggled. They only had 258 yards offense without him. It'll be Kilton Anderson's second uh, start, uh, basically, so I think he'll be better. Idaho has not been all that dynamic at home this year. They lost to App State. They lost to Louisiana, UNLV. Uh, they got past ULM by eight. You would think Idaho deserves to be that much of a favorite, but I keep your eyes on the status of Matt Linehan because he's a, an NFL prospect, and if he's not being their quarterback, I think that takes a big chunk out of the Idaho offense in that one. And David Walters would like your thoughts on the NC State versus Wake Forest game this weekend. Who do you think comes out with the W? You know, NC State was in a flat spot last week, uh, coming off two big games. Nearly got beat by Boston College. BC lost its starting quarterback in the second quarter. NC State got a big run by Hines at the end of the game to give them the 417-14 win. 
a game that could easily have gone Boston College way, but that's good that they got the win. I think that that saves them a little bit, keeps them fired up for this one. And and Wake had an interesting game last week as well. If you if you're watching that game at the half, you just about shut it off. I mean, Syracuse led that thing 38 to 17. Wake got a late score late in the half to pull within 14. Then in the second half, Syracuse, which, by the way, didn't have their starting quarterback, Eric Dungy. He missed the game. Well, the backup quarterback who had a good first half didn't have a good second half, and all of a sudden, Wake just started pulling away. So that game was not necessarily a uh, 21-point win for Wake. They did put up 734 yards, uh, most of it in the second half. You look at the Notre Dame game two weeks ago. They trailed 48-23, to got two late touchdowns. I like the way their offense is going right now. But I don't know if uh, I think NC State's defense will be able to slow it down. So even on the road, I give NC State a good shot at coming out of there with a the win. A fantastic job from all of you guys uh, on Twitter. Keep them coming. You know what? We, we may be able to sneak in a couple more. If you want to keep it going, social media, as we said, very important to us. We know it's important to you. A lot of you aren't able to uh, get to uh, uh, give us a shout on the show. So we value Twitter. Could sneak a few more in coming up. 646-668-2248 with Phil Steele and our producer, Jim Nabosna. I'm Michael Regai. I love watching, uh, as I've told you many times, the AAC. I always uh, DVR AAC games uh, because of the quarterback play. Let's go to Chicago and check in with our man Tom in the city of broad shoulders, Chicago, Illinois, with some AAC thoughts. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, I'm fine. It's a little wet and cold here, but other than that, it's great. Uh, thank mm-hmm. you for taking my call. I'm interested in the Memphis-SMU game, if you think Memphis can cover and maybe if they can run up the score because they need style points to get a better bowl bid. <laughs> All right. Appreciate the call, Tom. And uh, I think there will be a lot of points in this game. I do think it will be a high-scoring game. Now, my concern with Memphis uh covering the big number here would be number one generally when high-flying offenses like memphis come out of a bye it takes them a quarter or two to get going so i don't know if you're going to see that high-flying memphis offense right out of the box and then uh you look at some of their previous games this year you know the the houston game they trailed a good portion of it came back and got the win navy they pulled out a three-point win this year uh southern illinois they beat by 12 ucla by three ulm by eight They've had a lot of games which have been closer than expected. SMU does have a potent offense. Uh, Love that Ben Hicks having a great year, 58% with a 24-7 ratio. Last week they put up 40 points on Navy. They do have to travel again this week. But uh, to me, my favorite play in this game is over. I think you'll see Memphis's offense score on SMU. You're going to see SMU score on Memphis. So uh, add it all up. I like a lot of points in that game. Appreciate the call. Good stuff, Tom. Riley Ferguson. Phil, remember we talked about it uh, during the, the course of um, our preview shows with the American Athletic. Really like Ferguson, big strong-arm quarterback. Uh, got a feeling he might be in the mix, You know, going to be in the mix, just uh, how high is with regard to uh, how the NFL personnel folks view him. And I agree with you, Ben Hicks. Uh, Phil, last week, see him against Navy, man, second half, he was outstanding throwing the football for SMU. Yeah, and Ferguson this year has a rating of 149.1, which is great. Hicks Mm is 140.8. He's right behind him. The ratios are almost even. The percentage of completions are close. So uh, I think Ferguson's a better pro prospect, but the two quarterbacks have an equally good year, and that's why I think there will be a lot of points here. 
<laughs> which makes me I understand exactly why uh, you steer folks. Maybe take a look at that that total. Uh, could be the football flying uh, this weekend as uh, as uh, SMU heads in to Memphis. Will be a fun one to watch. No question about that. Hope you're having fun with us here on Strong as Steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, the very best in the business, and our producer, Jim Nabosna, as well. All right, we've talked about them a couple times. We've uh, made reference uh, to them, Phil. Um, the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, uh, they fall down to number eight this year. They got taken to the woodshed, as we know, by Miami. Now they're trying to rebound and reignite their offense. That was just completely obliterated by the Canes on Saturday night. Now, they need to beat Navy, and uh, then they need to win at number 22 Stanford next week to stay in uh, that college football playoff or these New Year's Six bowl game picture, as if they do that, what would be a two-loss football team. How about the mids? They bounced back. Kenny Niamatololo and his crew, they ended their three-game losing skit. Final play of the game, field goal at the gun to beat Smooth, 43-40. Phil, did you see former slot back Malcolm Perry replaced the injured Zach Aby at quarterback? And he ran for three touchdowns, didn't he, in the first half? And their defensive secondary woes, though, that's another story. And Niamatabalolo was having problems there uh, as they uh, weren't able to deal with uh, smooth quarterback Ben Hicks. But, um, Phil, is there any formula for Niamatabalolo and Navy to hand Notre Dame another devastating loss this weekend in South Bend. How do you see it? Well, Navy has played Notre Dame tough. You go back to last year, Navy beat Notre Dame 28-27, and it was, uh, it's been a yep. struggle for Notre Dame to get that option offense off the field at times. Uh, you look at uh, Notre Dame, though, last year, after they lost to Navy, they played another option team the next week, and they dominated that game. So I, I think that they'll fare much better against the option here, especially with the fact you touched on Malcolm Perry. Perry has actually got injured at the end of that game, and he's been downgraded to doubtful for this week. So with him doubtful, mm. with be questionable, uh, you wonder how efficient the offense will be. Garrett Lewis would be your other option there. I think he'll he'll play some, but uh, it went it, to me. You can plug and play almost the Navy quarterbacks, but uh, it, that is a little bit of a concern. And the other one would be this. You know, you heard me talking for five weeks where I've been talking about that Miami of Florida defensive front seven. Every time Miami's brought up, I've said, you know what, they have too much defensive personnel in that defensive front seven to be allowing 4.1 yards per carry like they had been. Well, they've shut that down the last two weeks. The only two teams that have shut down Notre Dame's rush offense have been Georgia and Miami of Florida. Everybody else gives up over 300 yards per game, and Navy does not have anywhere near the type of athletes that Miami of Florida has in that defensive front seven. So I'm thinking Notre Dame's back to normal running the football, 300-plus yards per uh, rushing, uh, over seven yards a carry in this game. And defensively, I think uh, when you look at them, they should be able to slow them down. Mike Elko's defenses at Wake Forest did a good job against the option, so I think he's got a good scheme for them. It is their final home game, so they should be fired up for this one. And I just think almost every time Notre Dame gets the ball, they're scoring, and I don't think Navy can keep up with that. So overall, I do think Notre Dame rebounds, and Coach Niamatololo has got a heck of a job on his hand. Can you imagine taking his personnel of the defensive front seven and matching them up against that Notre Dame offensive line running back and dynamic quarterback. He just doesn't have the athletes to stay with them, but they'll give good effort, that's for sure. They always do. 
Yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, that that's must-see, much-watch, too, this week. So, uh, you know, get the get the tape rolling. If you can't check it out live, it's going to be one you're going to want to see if Notre Dame is is able to reignite themselves uh, because, again, they were absolutely just taken to the woodshed by uh, the Miami Hurricanes defense last week. Strongest steel still got some time. Maybe sneak in a couple more on Twitter here coming up in a couple of moments. We've talked a lot about the American Athletic Conference this this episode of Strong as Steel here over the course of the past hour. Let's uh, stay on that group of five uh, theme, Phil. Uh, big one tonight when it comes down to the Mid-American Conference and the West Division side of things. The Western Michigan Broncos got to go to Northern Illinois. Now, both of them are already bowl eligible. They're both uh, sitting just behind Toledo, uh, who incurred their first loss last week uh, against uh, the Ohio Bobcats. Now, Phil, though, both of these, there's the state of flux on the quarterback side for both of these football teams. Uh, Marcus Childers, though, for Northern Illinois has stabilized that situation uh, for uh, head coach Rod Carey. Uh, Northern Illinois, this one is at home for uh, the Huskies. You know, I really like this football team. They just obliterated Ball State last week after their loss to Toledo two weeks ago. Phil, do you think Northern Illinois continues to stay on a roll at home, and at least for now, even though they'd need Toledo to lose their final two, stay in the hunt for uh, another possible long shot, but trip to Detroit by winning the MAC West? Yeah, I definitely think they'll be focused, especially after last year. You know, talking to Coach Carey this summer, and, uh, you know, he was highly confident that this team would rebound and rebound in a big way. In fact, over the summer, he was talking about Marcus Childers as potentially being the starting quarterback. And then I wondered why he wasn't starting at the beginning of the year. But uh, I don't know what happened in August, but he was probably the best athlete for that position, and he's proven to be the best quarterback so far. And I love the passing ability. I mean, he's he's hit 13 touchdowns, there's three interceptions. He's the team's number two rusher, uh, playing extremely well. So they're loaded. Western, remember two weeks ago uh, in the rain against Central, uh, they were without their quarterback. They still led, thanks to Franklin and Bogan. So they still have the rush attack, but their pass attack is really missing since Wazink met out. Wazink was hitting uh, 64% with a 14-4 ratio. Uh, Reese Goddard hitting just 40% with an 0-1 ratio, and uh, they used to attempt 20, high 20s, low 30 passes, 18 passes, 19 passes the last two weeks, and just 14 completions on 37 attempts for uh, 42 and 57 total yards. So they're struggling to throw the football. That's going to allow Northern to clog the lane, and Northern has a very good run defense. Their run defense allowing just 2.9 yards per carry this year. So when you match that up, I think Northern's a better team. Northern Illinois, one of the more underrated home crowds out there. A lot of the MAC coaches will tell you, and even visiting Power 5 coaches will tell you that the Northern crowd very loud. Uh, I think they get it done at home against Western Michigan with those advantages. Yep, I'm with you on that, Phil. I like Northern Illinois as well in this one. They're going to be a, fine, a very intriguing couple final weeks. Uh, Toledo's got uh, got Bowling Green tomorrow night, and then they'll finish up with Western Michigan at home the day after Thanksgiving. So this one might uh, come down right to next weekend's play, the final weekend to decide the MAC West champion. Phil, how about last night? Frank Solich in Ohio, who came off that enormous win over Toledo, uh, really rolled the Rockets down in Athens last week. 
they, with a chance to clinch and win the MAC East Division title and send them to Detroit for the MAC Championship game, they got ambushed, Phil, by Terry Bowden in the Akron Zips. And now Akron controls their own destiny by if they beat Kent State next week in their rivalry game. They represent the MAC East. How about that? Yeah, and what a difference a week makes for uh, Cato Nelson at uh, quarterback. Nelson was uh, sort of thrown in as the starting QB against Miami of Ohio a couple of weeks ago in struggle. But last night, 22-38 for 322 yards. Woodson, their starter, was suspended for that Miami game. I don't know if Woodson's going to be able to get his job back. And Nathan Rourke, who had been playing exceptional all season long, confounded by that Akron defense last night, 9 of 22 Forty percent with an O two ratio. Uh, I, I would have thought if you gave me those two quarterback lines for Nelson and Rourke, I would have had them switch prior to the game just based on how they had played during the year. So a very impressive performance by Akron, and it shows that it's tough for a team to play that A plus game in back to back weeks. We saw Ohio State uh, beat Penn State and really dominate the game on both sides of the ball, even though they need the late score. And then the next week failed to show up at Iowa. Iowa dominated that game and then failed to show up at Wisconsin. It's tough to play great games in back-to-back weeks. Yeah, we're finding that out to be sure. And you're right, Cato Nelson. Keep uh, keep a close ear on that name because Phil pointed out he's taken over that starting quarterback job at uh, at Akron, and Terry Bowden uh, recruited this young man and is very high on uh, what the future could be going forward with him at the controls. Again, Akron can clinch the MAC East division. Uh, championship by beating their rival Kent State next week at home that it send them to Detroit which I don't think a lot of us saw as uh, feasible as the season started but here the zips are with that opportunity all right we keep telling you we love what you do for us on Twitter let's get one more check in the last few minutes of the show bring in our producer Jim Nabosna Jimmy I, I, I know there's more let it roll my friend We'll roll over to Costabile44, who asked, Duke has back-to-back weeks against the option. Will this help them cover the six-and-a-half-point spread against Georgia Tech? Yeah, it's a big plus. And to throw in the fact that Cutcliffe's always great against the option, and even last week they lost to Army, but held them to a season-low 268 yards. So they know how to defense the option. They had a bye the week before Army. They faced the option. Look at what Notre Dame did last year. They lost to Navy, but in their second straight week against the option, they destroyed Army. Georgia Tech faced a Virginia team that knew the option well with Mendenhall and lost on the road a couple of weeks ago. Now they're taking on Duke here in this one, also on the road. So I I like Duke plus the points in that one in a possible upset. And Robert Meyer says, do you see any way that UAB goes into the swamp and beats Florida? What has to happen? Uh, A couple of key plays early on. And uh, you know what? Florida's a team that right now, what do you got to play for? I mean, you you came into the season thinking you were going to possibly contend for a title. you got no bowl game this year. Uh, you have, and I think the count last week, and it may have grown since then, of their 85 scholarship players on the roster, 25 of them were out last week, either suspended, injured, out for the year. Their roster has been ravaged by suspensions and injuries. They have nothing to play for. UAB, Bill Clark, 
coach of the year, perhaps. I mean, the job he's done taking over a team that had been out of football for two years, and they just continue to win. Another upset last week at UTSA. They amazingly moved to 7-3. and three. Early, their starter, 13-3 uh, ratio. Spencer Brown running for over 1,000 yards. They're going to come in fired up. And how does, how does Florida get fired up for UAB? you got Florida State on deck. Yeah, I see. I could see the potential upset there. But I like Florida to end up winning the game. But, uh, yeah, upset alert for Florida. <laughs> Those UAB Blazers back in uh, back in the saddle in uh, college football and uh, had a terrific ride in 2017. Appreciate it, Jim DeBosna. Good stuff. Appreciate all of you on Twitter today. Phil, we know you've got other duties, as you always do. Tell everybody where you can be read, ESPN.com, the insiders, where they can see you on SportsCenter. Let everybody know the whole deal uh, with the PhilSteel.com empire. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, be in Bristol again tomorrow, so check out your sports centers tomorrow for uh, those. Uh, of course, ESPN Insider. Get the college. Get the NFL. The NFL's been on fire with the ESPN Insider as well. Uh, get my Vegas Power Ratings. All that's up there during the course of the week. And if you're wondering, hey, ESPN Insider is a pay site. Guys, it's $3.33 a month. You can't beat that. To become a member, just go to ESPN.com slash Steele and you can become an ESPN Insider member. And not just get my articles, but you get articles on every sport from a whole bunch of guys. It's well worth the, uh, less than the half of price which you pay for a beer at a ball game per month. you got to love that. And then uh, check out the uh, website as well, InsideThePressBox.com. We've got a weekly newsletter out there. covers all 60 games this week, uh, as well as all the NFL games. Get a sample issue and find out more about Inside the Press Box. Just go to InsideThePressBox.com. And then don't forget on Friday, I'll be up with my tour of Phil Steel Plus, get you some interesting tidbits on this week's games, show you how to use the Phil Steel Plus site. And, guys, with those FCS playoffs coming up, you're going to want to be an F- a Phil Steel Plus member because you have access to all the information on all the FCS teams dating back for the last six years, including up to date this year. So make sure you check that out. Yep, be fun, and I'll be calling FCS playoffs as well uh, on ESPN. Always look forward to that during playoff time. Phil, that's uh, that's terrific stuff again this week. Uh, we will look forward to you. And to top it all off, don't forget about us, 12 o'clock Eastern every Wednesday right here on Strong as Steel, the best college football podcast you, you're going to find anywhere. Great stuff, buddy. We'll uh, We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one now. All right, have a great weekend, Michael. And thanks, thanks for everybody who uh, tuned in today. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Phil Steele, everybody. Make sure you check him out at all the places that you uh, just heard Phil lay out for you. That's going to do it for us. You guys are always fantastic. Make sure you uh, go to iTunes. You can get any episode you want. Uh, leave us uh, a comment there of how much you love the show because that helps us going forward. We're going to stay with you right through the month of December on into the beginning of bowl season and then right through the uh, the New Year's Six and the National Championship uh, semifinals and final as well. We'll look for you, though, next week right here at another edition of Strongest Steel for our producer Jim Nabosna for Phil Steele. I'm Michael Regai. Keep doing it, everybody. Enjoy a wonderful college football weekend as we get closer to all the final decisions being made. We'll see you next week right here on Strongest Steel. Till then, so long, everyone.